Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. Hey, we're into week two of our series called Culture Shift, where we're looking at four different topics that people are talking about all the time. And so this week, we're looking at the environment. And to help us with that, uh, we have Ruth Valerio with us. So Ruth, hi, welcome. Thank you. Great to be with you. Oh, so, so pleased that you're able to join us. Uh, Ruth, now I've met you before, even though you didn't remember meeting me. uh, And so I'm I'm not going to take that personally. But um, uh, Ruth, just fill us in a little bit on on your kind of interaction, your involvement, the teaching that you give with regards to uh, the environment and our world. Yeah, so that apparently I came over uh, to you, it must have been many, many, many years ago from the description that you gave. And I, so I've been speaking and writing and communicating in any way that I possibly can around issues of environment and also social justice and poverty as well, but particularly for today around environment, well, really for modern 25 years now. So what was your journey with that? Yeah, it actually started at university when I was reading theology and someone lent me a little book that uh, went through, it looked at what does the Bible say about caring for the environment. And although I was brought up in a home that had a real love and an appreciation of the natural world, I hadn't really been brought up with that understanding that taking care of it was something that particularly had anything to do with the Christian faith. And for the first time, this book just opened my eyes to this whole other um, perspective that's there in the Bible and helped me to see that taking care of this world is a Christian thing. And it is something that is very much a part of the biblical story. So at that point, I was particularly interested in issues of social justice and poverty. And I quickly began to realise that you can't be interested in people and in people in poverty without caring for the land that they live on and the seas they fish in and the air that they breathe and so on. And you can't be interested in the wider natural world without thinking about the people that share that space and the impact that as people we have on it. So to begin with, it was very much linked in with poverty and still is in some sense. But actually, as my understanding developed with that, and as I spent more time looking biblically, I began to realise that it's not only about poverty in and of itself. This world is something that God has made and that he's asked us to look after, and regardless of people, though, of course, people are important too. And so it just, it developed from there. Okay, so um, uh, for someone like myself, I I live in a rural area in Suffolk. I've grown up on a farm, so... um, uh, so in a sense, the environment is really important for me, um, but, uh, but it's not either um, because uh, I, I don't naturally think of what's the best environmentally friendly or eco-friendly way of resolving this or of, um, 
you know, of the electric. So, so I, I constantly disappoint my wife, Sarah, because she, she is uh, really passionate about this. And, and she keeps getting on to me and saying that, you know, I ought to be thinking about this much more. I ought to be speaking about it much more. Uh, and so I want your, I want this interview to, to change me, okay, to make a shift in me, because my, my wife will love me all the more if that's the case. All right. So um, okay. now. Hey, Sarah, it's you and me together. Come on. <laughs> now, um, uh, it gets talked about lots. I mean, in your book, I've got your book here, um, uh, Ella is for Lifestyle. And Elaine Storkey says um, uh, in this uh, that we are standing on the brink of an uh, ecological collapse, which sounds quite extreme. And then we watch on BBC, the programme Extinction um, uh, with David Attenborough, and we, we see um, those incredibly moving and awful images. Uh, and then we see people campaigning uh, the Extinction Rebellion, uh, uh, which can seem a little bit like extremists. Is it as bad as, as what all of this is? Or is this just a, a media thing to try and bring a change? Yeah, it, it is as bad. I, I mean, you don't need me to tell you that. <laughs> it really is as bad um, and potentially worse. And the infuriating thing is that we have known this for at least 30 years and people have been talking about it. Scientists have been pushing. The evidence has been building up and increasing year on year, decade on decade. So we can't get to the point that we're at and say, oh, we've, we've just realised this terrible thing has happened. We've known it's been happening for years and we haven't taken the action that we need to take. And you only need to look at the, the devastating wildfires that are happening in the States. And last year we had those awful wildfires in Australia and watch a programme like Extinction which I watched recently as well, to know that, um, that these things really are going on. And it can be hard for us to get to grips with that because, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm in my, city, my um, kitchen, it's quite comfortable, it's a nice day out there, um, things feel good. So it's where I think we need programmes like Extinction and we need groups like Extinction Rebellion who will bring these things up right in front of our faces and we need to watch the news and we need to see what's happening in order to be reminded that it might look okay out in my garden but actually there is a much bigger picture of what's happening and also if I do look in my garden I might probably think yeah there's a lot fewer insects and other species than there would have been 20-30 years ago so it is as bad and we need to respond. Okay, yeah. Now, you said that the turning point for you back at university was reading a book and how that, uh, that book spoke about um, this, this is all part of living out faith, yeah? Uh, that, that this is a faith issue, this is a Christian issue. I realise it's wider than that, but um, uh, can, you, can you just expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, so for me, whilst your your question before um, around how bad it is, it it is really bad, and so we need to respond. But as you've just implied, actually, the deeper reason why we need to respond is because of our Christian faith. 
So there are four very simple things that I see when I look in the Bible. The first is that God made this world and he loves it. Genesis 1, 31, God looked at all that he'd made. And in my uh, unacademic uh, language, God looked at all that he'd made and he said, it's fantastic. It's very good. Genesis 1, God is the creator. We, we miss the force of that. What does it mean for us to be living on a world that has been created by the God who we worship? And which he doesn't look at and say, oh, that's, that's a bit rubbish. It'll do for a while to, before I can destroy it and bring about something better. No, he looks at it and he says, this is wonderful. I love it. And there's so many other points throughout the scriptures as well that point to that. Can we shift our understanding so that we realize God loves this world? And he loves all the creatures that are in it. And therefore, as people who love God, don't we want to live in a way that takes care of something that is so valuable to him? So God made this world and he loves it. Secondly, he's created us to look after it. That's one of the foundational meanings of us being made in the image of God. We are here to, to represent him to be his image bearers, like in a temple where you have the image that shows what the God is like. And it's almost as if God had it in God's mind that the final species he created, he would create with the express purpose of looking after everything else. So that's why we're here, not, for, not to use the world to make a better life for ourselves. So, of course, these things have been given to us as well. It's a two-way relationship but we are here to serve and to take care of what God has made. Then we know that it's gone wrong because of us. And the Bible is very clear about that. And particularly in some of the prophetic literature, it makes a clear link between the people's righteousness, how they live before God, with how they treat other people, and then how the land responds. And in our modern language, environmental degradation comes about when the people don't look after each other, don't look after each other and don't worship God. And so our relationship with God, with others, with the land is all caught up. But the good news finally is that God has a future for this world and we can be a part of that. So God's destiny, this God's salvation, sorry, God's destiny for his created order, what we would call salvation, isn't that this is going this world is going to be destroyed and we're going to spend the rest of our days on some floaty heaven somewhere that's greek dualism that's not biblical thinking it's that this world is going to be renewed heaven and earth will be restored and we can be a part of that so as we live today we live in the light of that future kind of like living parables of what we believe that future is going to be so for really simple things, God made this world and he loves it. He's created us to look after it. It's gone wrong because of us. Therefore, we have a responsibility to do something about it. And God has a future for this world that he calls us to play a part in. Okay, that's that's brilliant. Uh, it's it's then the working out of um, what that means for us. And this is where my issue, because everything you've said, 
I go, yes. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, you know, time is an issue. And so it's, it's, it's more convenient to go for a less um, uh, environmentally friendly approach. Um, so time, convenience, th- those kind of things, um, they, they can create, I think, f- in me, an apathy towards action. Uh, towards doing something. So how how can a shift start to take place in a person like me to to act responsibly rather than act conveniently for me? Yeah, I just think it's about creating good habits and cultivating good habits so that this kind of thing feels normal rather than something that takes time and effort and habits, I'm afraid, do come from discipline. And um, we all know you have to do something, you know, however many times it is before it becomes a habit and you don't really think about it anymore. So it might be that to begin with, it, it does come down to a bit of discipline and to choice and you deciding, you know, I don't know, something simple like, I'm never going to use a single use plastic water bottle again. So that then takes a bit of discipline about remembering to take your water bottle with you to have a keep cup if you, not that we're going out at the moment, but you know, if you're going somewhere where you're going to buy a takeaway coffee so you've got something with you so you don't have to take something that's disposable. So it's just kind of about that thought and that thinking. Um, what would be another example? When many years ago when I wanted to shift away from using a car, so much and um, try and walk or cycle more to begin with it was an effort you know it was so much quicker and more convenient to jump in my car and go somewhere and I had to talk myself through it you know this is part of being a Christian and <laughs> da, 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 da. Uh, now it just seems second nature I don't really think anything about j- jumping on my bike to go and cycle somewhere and the same with food and thinking about where our food comes from and reducing the amount of meat and dairy that we consume all of those things that we know I think they start with choice and discipline and then they become habits and just normal ways of living. Okay um, that's great. Um, For a a uh, a culture shift to take place. What, what would you suggest for, for those of us who are watching this? Uh, what would you suggest are first steps for us to take? So when it comes to these things, I often talk about standing in the gap. We need to give, act and pray. And those are the three things that I think about. So give. But where, where are you spending or giving your money are you making sure that you're spending as much as possible on ethical things uh, thinking about your pensions and your investments as well as what you buy and giving are you giving to support charities that are working in this sort of an area tier fund for me is a, an obvious one with that so giving acting actually I'm going to come back to acting so give act and pray everything we do should be undergirded by prayer. So I'd really encourage you in your individual lives and in your church life to be incorporating praying for these issues into, into what you pray for and how you pray. And then acting, that central one, 
taking uh, changes in our own lives, some of the kind of things that we've talked about, and then also pushing our governments and our businesses to change their behaviour. So when it comes to individual things, we can think about the food that we eat, our travel, the way we get around, the energy that we use in our homes and our waste, the things we throw away, particularly plastic. And I would encourage all of us, I think the first step to take is to reduce the amount of meat and dairy that we eat. Now, I know that can be controversial, particularly if there are farmers who are watching this who are dairy farmers. And for me, this isn't necessarily about going fully vegetarian or fully vegans, that though some people will want to make that decision. But it is about reducing seriously the amount of meat and dairy that we consume. And then if we choose to consume some meat and dairy, we can then spend more on it and honour our farmers more when we do, because we're not eating it all of the time. I know there's a huge debate in that, but we have to reduce the amount of meat and dairy that we consume. And all of us, including farmers, need to adapt to that. Um, and then in terms of the government, at Tear Fund, we're currently running a campaign uh, looking at this concept of the world rebooted. How can we use this pandemic to shift our culture? As we look at an economic recovery package, let's do that in a way that puts us on a different footing in terms of our relationship with the natural world. And we've got specific campaign asks targeted at the government um, and at the Chancellor, asking them to put together a green and sustainable economic package. If you type a tier fund reboot campaign into your search engine you'll find out more about that and we're joining with a whole load of other organizations as we do that ruth thank you so much for being part of this we have loved it really loved it thank you thanks that's all for this week thanks once again for joining us we'd love to keep the conversation going so why not check out forge church uk on facebook twitter or instagram or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find the next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the fall. We're looking forward to you joining us next time. <laughs>